Welcome to Leaders and Learners. My name is Tanya McKenzie, and you can find me at the intersection of public relations and leadership. Join us as we talk to organizational leaders, elected officials, experts, authors, artists, and personalities sharing their stories, talking about how they got to where they are and how they continue to learn and lead the way. So without further ado, let's get into it. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Leaders and Learners, where we all know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. And today, I have some lessons for you. Um, For those that are swimming around in the marketing, PR, influencer world, uh, today we have an opportunity to dig a little deeper and definitely get some understanding about influencers and how they work well and how they don't work. Uh, The guy that I have for you today, uh, he has a long, very long career in working with influencers. He's Grammy nominated. We can definitely get into that. But he has a book out um, in February, and it's definitely worth you checking out, especially if you are, let's say, an entrepreneur still trying to figure out, you know, your marketing strategy and how you want to integrate influencers you might not even know what influencers really are because social media might have you think that it's one thing when it's totally something else. So listen, I'm not going to keep you too long, but without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Paul Katz. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to talking about the book, Good Influence. Um, So let's do it. Um. I'm not hearing, unfortunately for the audience, I'm not hearing the question because uh, it's frozen. So um, we have a little techie. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Perfect. Awesome. Good influence. Where did that title come from? Well, we're all influenced by our parents, teachers, guardians, and that's a small ripple effect. But for us, I, I, I have a marketing agency that works with nonprofits. Uh, to raise money, awareness, support. And I feel that a lot of the influencers I work with are basically um, using their influence, their public position, whether they're actors, musicians, business icons, whomever, for good. And so this book is really, the, the aim of this book is really to allow that information and confidence to be given to so many different other organizations to do what I do. Um, but generally... The people I work with, they're not paid. They do it for because they're passionate and it's an authentic connection for them. So that's where the title come from, came from. Paul, tell the people a little bit about your background, how you mm-hmm. wound up being Grammy nominated, and mm-hmm. now about your firm, your, your marketing firm. Sure. Um, so my background, as you can tell, I'm from London, but I'm based in New York. I've been here for much longer. Um, uh, I, I worked for many years in the record business uh, with Jive Records, anyone from A Tribe Called Quest to, uh, to Justin and Brittany and lots of different folk. And then the last 20 years, I still work in, in music, but social mission driven. I work with a company called Made in Memphis, which is black owned, black run, and aim to give BIPOC folk um, opportunities. Uh, I also work with Participant Media, who did Green Book, um, Spotlight, uh, the Obama documentary that won the Oscar. So all my all my stuff is 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 mission driven, and Entertain Impact is the agency that we've had for nearly eighteen years now. That basically, as, as I said before, 
marketing advocacy campaigns for um, nonprofits and purpose-driven businesses um, to utilize influencers or create campaigns with influencers that'll do the most social good. And social good and business good often go together. You know, it's funny you should say that. One of the biggest um, suggestions, recommendations that I've had for companies myself uh, moving into 2023 was that they definitely need to have a level of do good as a part of their brand. They need to be looking at their level of social responsibility. It sounds like that's been something that has always played into what you do. But I want to ask you, this hasn't always been called influencer marketing. What changes have you seen in the industry and how is influencer marketing kind of playing into it now? Well, it's a, it's a good question. So in the book, Good Influence, uh, you know, I give a lot of stories and case studies about exactly what you're talking about, um, especially this combination of taking business and, uh, and um, nonprofits and influencers together in what I call multi-packs. And that can be the most good. And I'll, I'll give you an example, um, and then I'll come back to the first question. So Matt Damien worked with Stella Artois, uh, you know, the beer company, uh, and water.org, which was an organization he co-founded. And they had this special kind of, you know, glasses that, uh, that you could buy that raised about $8 million. And not only did it um, get water to 3 million people, Stella Artois were delighted with it because it kind of made them hit and kind of that aged down their audience. And what's what's interesting, I think, for me and a lot of, lot of folk is that Gen Z and millennials will be 30% of the consumer population in, in just three years. And they have got a very attuned um, radar for being fed nonsense in advertising. They don't, they don't really want to... I could use a stronger word. I do in the book, but I'm not going to use it here. Um, and, so, and so what... what um, the studies that, that I've researched about what I call the influencer effect, which is this idea that an influencer can really get you to do something by their own example and their own equity in the marketplace. It shows that over 70% of Gen Z do not, and this is McKinsey's and the Arkansas and Manchester Business School. This is you know real research, academic research, that over 70% will not really want to buy from a company that doesn't do good. And over 65% don't want to work for that company. So by doing good, you do well. And so I would really encourage, and that's part of what I'm doing in the book, the idea, the idea of um, companies authentically, not because it's going to have more sales. You have to have a genuineness in, uh, about all this thing um, to encourage them to do exactly that, to, to do more good. And that's a trend that's going on a lot at the moment. So it's kind of encouraging. Oh, what is an influencer? In your opinion, in your professional opinion, what is an influencer? An influencer, that's, is, and that's a really good question. An influencer is basically a public figure that is culturally appropriate for your audience and your stakeholders. So there is no such thing as an influencer that fits um, every situation. So if you're, if you're, let me give you an example. Um, we did a campaign with um, the African-American Cultural Heritage Action Fund, which is part of the National Trust, to preserve Nina Simone's childhood home in Tryon, North Carolina. 
which was really not just about a home, but also about um, part of history that isn't told in preservation. And there we looked at what influences are, um, you know, what influences have liked and um, been um, involved with her music, either covering it or enjoying it, et cetera, and, and also the civil rights part. And so we were also looking very, very um, precisely at getting to an audience that the National Trust doesn't usually get to. So th this um, resulted in us going out to people like John Legend, Misty Copeland, her, No Name, et cetera, who had an authentic connection to the music. People like Cat Stevens came on board. And as a, as a result of that, we did a few things. We raised about twice as much money as they were looking to raise, which was great to help the, uh, the house become a cultural center. Um, and secondly, we attracted a much younger and more diverse audience than the National Trust usually, usually got. And so it was very successful in, in that sense. So an influence is somebody that if it's on the front page of whatever newspaper or blog you, 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 know, you enjoy, you and your board or your executives, whoever it is, are really comfortable that that's representing you and your campaign or your business in, in the right way. Um, yeah. Why is it that, okay, let me back up. When and how do you pick out your influencers? And I'm asking you this because I also want you to respond to I think it was last year, there was a situation where an influencer, they had an influencer selling, I don't know, t-shirts or something. And uh -huh. she had over 100,000 followers and couldn't sell two t-shirts. So how do you pick out your influencers so that you don't become the person that clearly picked her out and it did not work out for them? Well, that, 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 that that's an interesting one that I'm unaware of. But what we do, and in the book, again, I, uh, I have a a methodology that's been developed over uh, nearly 18 years and refined and proven. And we have case studies with lots of information and also lots of resources that people can, can download for free. Um, so well, what we have there is, a, is, is this dream method, which is a five-step process. Design your action plan, including influencers. Um, research influencers, engage them activate them and measure because we all want to make sure that we're you know successful in what we do in, in whichever direction we go um so i think one of the best things to look at here is the second part of that the r the research and so we're very very research orientated and anyone could do this it's the information is available on the web what is the audience, what are the, what, what's the audiences you want to reach and who's the right influencer to connect to them? So let me give you, give you another example. Um, we we did, a, did, a, did a campaign recently for so Alima. Design your influencer action plan. Research to identify the right influencers. Educate, uh -huh. cultivate and engage influencers. Activate your campaign to success, measure the effectiveness of your program, dream. How did you come up with that? Um, it came up by itself, really, you know, and I guess given, you know, we had Martin Luther King Day Monday, and uh, as you can see, he's a 
big hero of mine. I guess dream has a certain resonance that I didn't really think of until this week. But it's the idea is you can achieve your dream. This is a very practical way, whether you're an arts organization in Columbus, Ohio, or you're a, you're a uh, international medical relief organization in, uh, in Senegal, you can, you can use this very, very easily. Um, so coming back to research, by picking the particular influencers with an S, because the more that you have, the more segments that you get to, the more reputational safety you have in case, not that we've ever had this, but in case anyone steps out of line, um, you're, you're going to match, you know, and find the right person for you. So there's, let me give you an example. We worked with, um, say, Asha, who has a son who has diabetes. Um, and so Usher and diabetes are very um, aligned. And so, for example, when we did a, a campaign for the American Diabetes Association called um, the Diabetes Dance Day, you danced, you dared people. We, we went to Usher and obviously Usher was very um, enthusiastic about helping. But we also went to Mark Cuban because his dad has diabetes. Shaq, Shaq's father has diabetes. Camilla Cabela, same thing. And they all joined in. And the result of this was, was in addition to the 70 influencers, we had maybe 10,000 people do this across six countries. We had over a billion impressions. We were on the Today Show or Good Morning America, I think, um, totally organically with Kevin Hart and with Kelly Clarkson. And the awareness went through the roof. And then you have these unintended consequences like um, the organizational pride of the people that work there, the job that they're doing, is making a difference in the world. So it's also good for employer retention. Um, so, and and um, there, there's lots and lots of examples of, of, ha of how this works. So the research is really important. And just to reiterate here, all the people that we're involved with do it because they're passionate about it. They do not get paid for it. Okay. How do you make authentic connections with influencers? What has been your method over time? And I'm guessing, you know, at some point you had to start small. What does that look like, especially for small businesses and smaller nonprofits? Sure. You, you, there's, there's different types and levels of, of influence. So you have the, what, what, what they call the mega influencers, you know, the Kim Kardashians. And if you're a soccer player, the Lionel Messi's of the world, all the way down to nano influencers who may have a thousand or 2000 followers. So for example, um, what we do is, first of all, you do the research to make sure they're the right connection. If they are, you then reach, reach out to find who's the right person to contact. And again, the book, Good Influence, will, will give you the guidance of how to find the contacts, how to write the right letter, so that you can go out and, and, and connect with these folk in a way that's meaningful, that will have some, uh, some resonance with them, and we'll, we'll get, get what you want. So what, what we do is um, we basically find the person who it is. It doesn't mean we know everyone. Obviously, we've been around for a while now. But, but I think lots of small organizations and businesses, if they have the confidence and now they'll have the knowledge and the confidence, hopefully, with the book, will be, will be able to do this them, themselves. So we reached out, for example, for uh, uh, a campaign for March of Dimes several years ago to Kim Kardashian, who's, who's one of her kids was, uh, was born premature, didn't know her, and she donated a lot of space on one of her apps for nothing. So it, it's not because I've, you know, I do music or I've been in the business. Anyone can do this. There's lots of examples. You just need to know 
how to do it. And the book will show you how to do it. I love that. It sounds like there's a lot of research that needs to take place. That means there's some work that you have to put in. That means there's a level of commitment to finding the right um, influencer, understanding also that you need to understand who your target market is, which I think that's where a lot of people also kind of lose it is they don't always know who their target market is, who those people are and how to communicate correctly with them, right? Because people start these businesses and they think it's a great business or a nonprofit. We can help everybody. We can help everybody. But that's really not the most efficient or effective way to design a campaign, a communication strategy, and then speak to me about public relations, okay? Because I, I am a PR professional, a comms professional, and how does that actually play into what you do? One of the things I've always said is, you know, marketing is telling people how amazing you are. PR is getting other people to tell other people how amazing you are. What is your thoughts okay. on public relations, communications, and how it plays into influencer marketing and what you do there is, there is an expression from Latsu who's a chinese philosopher actually or, or let me give you a different one there's an expression that says you know if a tree falls in the forest did it fall i can tell you from a marketing viewpoint nobody hears it it didn't exist so you really have to get out there and marketing and communications and pr is really important i i give an example we i work with a a, um, a hospital in haiti for many years, it's called St. Damien's Pediatric Hospital, wonderful hospital, looks after mums and kids that really don't have any um, necessary great options. And there was a very famous person who I can't name, although it is public, um, who went to the hospital and the resultant publicity attracted a donor, an anonymous donor as well, for a lot of money for that, for that, um, for that hospital that had done no marketing ever that just did great work for people. Uh, they're, they're the real heroes, I think. Um, and so if you don't know about it, how can you be attracted to and how can you help um, make the situation better? Whether it's a consumer buying a brand, or in my case, a lot of what I do is obviously nonprofit and philanthropy. So uh, that PR is vital, absolutely vital. And I know what you do is, is really um, impactful as well in your, in your work. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you. I want you to tell me about that picture behind you um, and why that's important to you. Because what strikes me, obviously, yeah. with you is that you have a very open mind in the people that you work with. You seem to have a lot of diversity in um, the services that you provide, in the people that you work with, in the communities that you serve. Who are you? How did you become this person, especially in a world right now that seems to be so contentious and divided. Does that picture behind you have anything to do um, with your ability to embrace diversity and, you know, just be open and open-minded? Well, thank you for noticing the picture. That's two of my three heroes, Paul Robeson being the other one. But uh, yes, Gandhi, nonviolence, and Martin Luther King Jr. Um, are both people I very much admire. In fact, the first project I did uh, when I... We had a gospel label as well was um to commemorate the 40th anniversary of rosa parks mm. um you know the, the, the sitting down at the front of the bus um and in fact i worked with mrs parks and her husband raymond um and ra raised quite a lot of money for their foundation we did one you know we are the world type record with gospel so for me 
I am not the type, it's not my skill set to go and build a house somewhere. But what I'm good at is facilitating, connecting, and kind of visualizing. And um, I, I have lots of friends of mine who are artists. Some are musicians, some are, some are visual artists. My wife, for example, Marie Christine, is a performance artist. They don't retire. This is what they do. It's part of them. And for me, this is the closest that I'm going to get to it. And I just feel what better way to to spend your, your days than, you know, helping people. Um, I know it sounds a bit cliche, maybe, but it's true. So that, for me, is taking all the connections I've learned in the music business, the film business, other businesses. So I'll give you, can I give you an example? Please. In, in, in the book, I talk about this. Um, we did it. We did a you mentioned the Grammy thing, which is on the other side here or that side, which is yeah. for the Twilight movies. I did the uh, with Alex Basavis. I, I oversaw the music for the movies and the albums. There were five of them, I think. Um, and so I know a lot of people from the movie business. And what, what we did is we, we did a campaign with the Grammys to put music in public schools because there's four million kids um, from under-resourced communities that don't get music. And we know music is vital, not just for um, emotional well-being, which is important, of course, and academic well-being, but peer um, to peer confident, lots of things. And so we put that together. But I reached out not only to people like BB Rexa uh, and, and other artists to support it, but to Pixar, who had a movie called Coco. And that movie was about a kid whose great grandfather was the Elvis Presley of Mexico, but who wasn't allowed music in his, in, in, in his house. And so that was a perfect match and resulted in about 200,000 kids getting music, getting software, getting donations um, for the teachers to introduce music into schools. And it was, it was very successful. My book is mainly about people though, not because those ones are a bit more difficult to pull off. The ones that I'm giving the information and the stories about are much, much, much simpler. And I give examples of a lot of local community organizations as well mm -hmm. that have achieved what I'm talking about in the book, as well as kind of the bigger multinational kind of campaigns. So for nonprofits, for my nonprofits out there that are still looking for ways to tell their story and explain the great work that they do, would you yeah. recommend influencer marketing over traditional marketing or some integrated um, strategy? I think you need a good campaign, which whether it's traditional or influencer, it's like having a great singer, but they don't have a great song. You know, you need both. Um, I, I know many, many, many corporations are spending much more on influencer marketing now uh, than traditional marketing. It seems to be much more effective in terms in terms of the number of people that are responding to it and the cost. So, you know, we, we do measurement. Uh, you see there's a whole chapter in how to measure things in the book. And there's two principal types of measurement. There's return on investment. Our return on investment is between eight to twelve to one in the campaigns that we do. Uh, more if you actually take the, take into the into account that the influencers don't get paid. Um, and then there's the social return on investment. You know, did you reduce the tax base because more people are going back to work? Uh, those those kind of ret returns. Um, so for me, I find that influencer marketing has been incredibly effective and proven over the last seventeen years that we've been working with folks. So. Um, I'm, I'm very pro influencer marketing, not just not just um, by itself, but you can look at things like ad equivalency. So if we if we, we know, for example, we do work 
also on get get out the vote in Georgia for with Stacey Abrams and, and other folk. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know we were going out to the black faith based community. This last go round, we were going out to returning citizens, people who had a felony conviction, who had served their time, who were entitled to vote, but didn't know it. And our cost of going out to getting those folk to register or, um, was so was almost a quarter of what a traditional advertising would be. Um, so I'm, I think influencers could not only be effective from a financial viewpoint, but they can really create huge awareness that, that, that'll help you in the long run. So yeah, influencers it is. So listen, your life sounds amazing. The work you do is incredible. I want you to tell me about when you bumped your head though, when things weren't going so great, when you had to pivot to this, or was it something that just happened organically? Well, I bump my heads a lot of times and often you learn no. the most. It's true, it's true, of course, we're all human. Um, I pivoted to this after um, Jive Records was sold in 2003. I went back to Teachers College uh, at Columbia University because I was very interested in young people. And if you got them in this direction, instead of this direction, life would be better for them. And so I kind of thought about how to do this over the next two years. And I like creating things, you know, I create. And so we kind of invented this new um, field. You know, you know about cause marketing, but this I'm call calling cause influence, the use of popular entertainment and popular culture for social change. And, and I talk a little bit about it in the book, but the book is mainly the practical side of how to get things done. Um, and so I just started it and hoped it would work and touch wood. It's been growing, not just for us as a business, but as a field. There's many more agencies that do it. And, and some people have said, well, why are you giving all these, you know, insider tips away? I want more people to do more good. So I'm fine with that. And I'm hoping we can have a dialogue with the people that buy, buy good influence. Which, What's which next for you? Well, well, I want to see how the book does. Um, and I want to engage with, with that audience and see if I can be helpful to them. Um, at the moment, we're doing a a um two two things that have come to mind um one is we're doing a campaign with the partnership for maternal and maternal child health mm. which is about 1.8 billion is uh it's called well that's the name of the campaign but it's about the 1.8 billion adolescents and young adults in the world we've dealt a lot of people have dealt with early childhood now we're going to the adolescents so that they can have a better better life um so that's coming up and we just did a really good campaign called Go Give One with the WHO Foundation, which was about vaccine equity for the communities and the countries that want vaccines that can't afford it. We had a $1 million match from the Elmer uh, Immunization, Vaccine and Immunization Foundation. And we worked with um, Elton John and Angelique Kijot to announce it at these global citizen concerts uh, in Paris and Prince Harry and Meghan in New York. And we raised enough money to buy 600,000, well, nearly 600,000 vaccines. So those things are ongoing the whole time. Patients might want to understand if they are a for-profit, how yeah. do they collaborate with nonprofits? What well, is the best way to collaborate with nonprofits and bring in influencers? Yeah, I think you have to find a nonprofit that fits your mission. There's no point if you're, a, say you're a medical supply company and you're dealing with a nonprofit that deals with climate change, which of course they're all important, but maybe it's better to deal with 
international health or local health. Um, find the right nonprofit that fits you. Do your due diligence. Make sure that they're culturally sympathetic and a good fit, and then find the influencer that fits both of you. Not difficult but, to do. It won't take you long. See, I think it is though, because there are plenty of companies that have gotten in trouble being performative just to find something to do or some community to support, not really understanding the importance of the authenticity in having do good in their brand. So I guess that's that's really what I want you to dig into is if you are a for-profit organization, it is important to have a level of do good and collaborate with organizations that are nonprofits. How do you do that? Because some people, maybe they just are not... Uh, in touch with their soul like they need to be, but yeah. they struggle with that. So walk them through that because performative organizations don't recognize that they're going to get hit hardest because they can't stay on track with the do good that they're supposed to be doing. Well, you know, that is such a, such an interesting question. I think you have to look inside yourself as a company, just as much as you have to as a human being. And you have to find what is your authentic um, mission. You know, you should know your mission as a company and you have to make sure that it's aligned, whether it's DEI or it's environment or triple bottom line, whatever you want to call these things. But once you genuinely know how you combine your your customers, your employees, your vendors, your supply chain, all of those things, and you really know and who you want to reach, then you're in a really good position. We do a needs assessment with every client to make sure that they're, they're ready for what we do with the influencers. Again, it's, it's in the book. You, you can find out how to do that. And, and um, by doing that, we find 90% of the people that we, that we, that we, uh, or companies that we engage with are ready. If it, the 10% aren't, we will help them get ready by asking those kind of searching questions. But once you know the mission, you know who your audience are, uh, that you want to reach is, then you just, do your due, due, due diligence. You find a nonprofit that's aligned, and then you you, you take it from there. So um, I'm trying to think of a good example for you. So um, let's let's talk about Master Masterclass. You know that organization that's a yes, wonderful, wonderful company. Yeah, they they're all about educating the world. They have their influences of their teachers. They're the they're instructors, as they call them, and they reach out to many people very quietly and say, um, we will give you free passes for the people that can't afford it all around the world, hundreds of thousands every, every, uh, every year. So they, their mission and their business are aligned, their philanthropy is aligned, and they do it in a very modest um, and understated way. It's a bit like if I could also mention Rotary International. Mm -hmm. Rotary International, we've worked with on their polio eradication campaign around the world. We have influencers like um, the late Desmond Tutu, Queen Noor, Itzhak Perlman, the violinist, all of which uh, uh, were Queen Noor, no, but the others had, had polio. We also are dealing with Bollywood actors in India who get mums and the husbands to go get the baby vaccinated. We get... We get um, um, people like Ziggy Marley and Angelique Kijo in Africa. We have Iman in northern Nigeria. So really, it's getting the right fit. But we also have companies involved there who will sponsor it. So, for example, a vaccine company will help 
put on an event. Governments will be involved. So it's it's you just need to be imaginative. The book will show you how to do a lot of that stuff. It is not um, brain surgery, rocket science, or whatever cliche you want to say. It's not that difficult. It's really get on with it. You know, uh, the, the, the Chinese philosopher I was referring to earlier, Lao Tzu, said the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Yep. Totally does. But we, and this book at your GPS, that will get you the rest of the way in a very comfortable and easy manner. And it's not I'm expensive. Gonna ask, I'm going to ask you one more thing before I get you out of here. Sure. People tend to balk at the phrase DEI or start talking about diversity. Why is that so important in the success of organizations these days, even for those that don't seem to think it's necessary? Why do we need to have diversity efforts? And some people think we don't need to. If you don't want to hire or implement things that um, bring us all together, that's on you. It's whatever. Because then it's not authentic when you do it. It's performative. But from your perspective and the work that you've done, why is diversity and inclusion efforts so impactful and important to our culture and our um, profitability in this country? Well, that, that's, that's a long, um, that's a big question. So for, for me, um, you know, I, I came as an immigrant to the country, along with a lot of other people that came from, a, from England. So I was, I was more fortunate in a way because I did it kind of through the company, the Jive Records company. But I, I think I've learned so much and changed my mind so often because I've heard people who come from different backgrounds. You do, you do better. You learn as a human. Your business will grow. And I also think, you know, in the States especially, um, that, that the uh, people of color, BIPOC folk, um, they, need, they, they, they need economic empowerment. It's great to have responsibility. It's great to have authority. But you need to own businesses. And I don't see people um, in the general establishment giving the shots that they should do, to be honest with you. I think it's improving. And the more that we talk about this, the more we, that we engage in actions about it, um, the better we're all going to be off. Uh, not just, not just um, the, the BIPOC folk, but the, the world, the community. You know, you learn from somebody in Ghana. You learn from somebody in India. You learn from somebody in, uh, you know, your leads. I, I work a lot in the South. In Atlanta, we have recording studios in Miami, uh, Memphis, I should say. I've just been so fortunate to hear stories and just learn, you know. We all got to give. We're all interconnected. So that's that's my view. And and but coming back to your earlier point, if it ain't authentic, don't do it because it, everybody will find you out, and and uh, and it just won't work. But I think most people are authentic. I hope anyway. Right. I love that. What's one word that you would not want associated with you or the work you do? I would love to have words associated with me, like. Um, you know, made a difference. That's I'd much rather have a positive than a than a, than a negative. You know, um, but if I was choosing a one, didn't try hard enough. Mm. That would be that would be the words I would use. But let's be positive, not negative. <laughs> Mine is phony, or uh -huh. scared, or scared. Well, I'm often I'm often fearful. It's just you have the courage to overcome the fear. But phony is a very good word. I totally got you. Yeah, I love it. Well, tell the people how they can get in touch with you, stay in touch with you, get this book in February um, uh, and just follow your journey and your work. 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much again for having me on. The book, Good Influence, How to Engage Influencers for Purpose and Profit, comes out. Actually, the paperback comes out January 30. The ebook and audio comes out February the 27th. You could go to goodinfluencebook.com and there's a, there's a way of contacting me there or through LinkedIn, whichever. But I'm, I'm looking forward to a dialogue. I want to see if we can grow this field and encourage people to do more in the influencer and social good world. I love that. That means we're going to have to stay in touch. I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time and definitely, definitely will be picking up the book. Probably going to do a little review on it too. So um, be on the lookout for that. Thank you again. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. Likewise. And I, I, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. All right, guys, make sure you get the book. Make sure you tap in with Paul. If you have a small business, if you do PR or any type of work for a nonprofit, listen, we see you struggling all the time, right? Instead of saying, oh, can you just do this for us for free? Let's learn how to do some of these things on our own. I think it's important that business owners, marketers, um, entrepreneurs are empowered with different ways to grow grow their network, grow their brand awareness. Influencer marketing is one of those um, niche areas that can make a huge difference in what it is that you're doing. So tap into what he said, watch this over again, share it with someone you know that might be struggling to grow their organization, grow their brand awareness, and get the book, okay? Get the book, don't be cheap, invest in yourself, invest in your organization, learn how to do this on your own, and stay in conversation. Um, sounds like he's open to it and there's going to be some opportunities for you to tap in. So read about it, learn about it. I'm all about you leaving with gems and opportunities to make your work life and professional life better um, and your personal life. Because it sounds like he has a lot of stories that could probably enhance um, everything that you're doing. So tap in. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for showing up to the podcast where we all know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. When you get a sec, take a moment, leave a comment, what you think about today's episode, and share it with someone that you know could use the gems that were dropped today. Follow and subscribe. You don't want to miss who's coming up next. You never know who could show up here and what they could say. For your professional needs, marketing, PR, communications, and leadership, Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Sand and Shores or hit us up at sandandshores.com. Again, thanks so much for showing up. We appreciate you and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.